Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. It is a new year, and I don't know about you guys, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm always curious, right, how the next year is going to be and how it's going to be different. And I think all of us maybe are looking forward to putting 22 uh, to bed and, and, and welcoming 2023 with the anticipation, right? Because our God is at work. He's in our midst and he continues to do the miraculous in our lives. And I'm glad that we can do that together uh, as a church. And I anticipate uh, an amazing year ahead of us. On my way in this morning, I left a few minutes before eight, and as I went out to my car and I started driving on the road, I live over in Snohomish, North Snohomish, like Machias area. It was dark, and it was foggy, and it just seemed kind of gloomy and kind of dismal, right? And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this, this isn't great, right? And then when I got here, and I'd been here for a while, I went out to get my phone uh, because I wanted to you know, make sure I didn't go too long, right? So... I got my phone and I looked around and you guys, the sun was shining. The sun was shining on a new day. It was completely different, a different perspective than I had had coming in here. And as we start this new year, we're going to have a series on the life of David and Dr. Sanjay is going to lead us in a great uh, introduction next week. But before we do that, we have an opportunity here to, to hear what's, what we like to call in the speaking team is a, a tweener message, right? And that's why I'm here today, to give you a tweener message, right? So today we're going to talk about or learn about experiencing God's provision in our circumstances. Experiencing God's provision in our circumstances. And as you know, our circumstances are very different all over the world and even among us right here. My wife, Samantha, and I, we work with an organization called Global Service Associates. And one of the things I do is I go overseas and I teach small business development to people in East Africa and India and in some upcoming places as well. Um, that's, that's part of what we do. And today I'm going to share this message. I'm going to share about some of the work that, that we do in Africa and hopefully do it from a slightly different perspective. So we have all that to look forward to. Um, but we're going to take a journey. That's how we're starting out here. We're going to go 16,000 kilometers across the world. We're going to go to Uganda, okay? And today, at least for the next 35, 40 minutes, you are Ugandan. You got that? <laughs> okay. You are Ugandan. Okay, so close your eyes. You're leaving North Shore. Close your eyes. You're on a plane. Oh my goodness, it's a long ride. Okay. 24 hours, 26 hours with layovers. Whew. Okay, open your eyes. Yoganoi. Hi. Biobjo. How are you? And this is what you say. Jokono Yalamanoi. Jokona Yalamanoi. All right. What you just said, whether you liked it or not, was I'm fine, thank you. Okay? So welcome, I wanna show you your village. I mean, I know you know where you come from, but this is just a, a little bit of a reminder of who you are, right? I always, I always put this that direction, I need to go this direction, sorry. It's, 
This is a little bit like, you know, chewing gum while I'm trying to talk. It doesn't work well. This is your village, my friends. You live in a grass hut. And your neighbor there is growing sesame seeds. Probably didn't know what sesame seeds look like when they were grown. They come in a little pod. You place that pod on a ramp there. And after it dries, you shake it. And all those little sesame seeds that we enjoy on our, you know, McDonald's buns, that's where they come from. Okay? So that's your village there. Um, this is where you work. <clears throat> it's a, a gravel yard, gravel pit, right? Uh, you start with very large rocks. And then with your mallet there that you can see if you look closely, it's got about a four-pound head on it. You break those larger rocks into smaller rocks and into smaller rocks and into smaller rocks until you have you know, five-eighths minus, as we'd call it maybe, and some sand. Um, but that's what you do, and you get $3, about $3 a day to do it. So that's, that's a pretty good job for where you're from. This is your dog. I don't think you've named your dog, actually. Um, and he's never had dog food um, or uh, a collar around his neck or, or uh, a toy. <laughs> um, but your dog has saved your kids a couple times from the hyenas. And so you like to keep your dog around. This is actually one of your children, uh, one of your sons. You have five kids, actually. And he's one of the lucky ones. You know, many of the kids in your village actually suffer from malnourishment, a lack of protein. They have full bellies every day, but it's mostly starch, cassava, and potatoes. So, so they really lack protein and, and vitamins, and many of them regularly get malaria from mosquitoes and, and waterborne diseases like typhoid and cholera. And some of your neighbors even sell their kids uh, into a trafficking network in order to have enough money to feed their other kids. You see, in America, we would look at that as a moral issue, but, but here it's, it's a simple matter of economics. You know, wives, uh, at least some of your neighbors, wives get, get, get beaten regularly and in uh, return, their husbands get poisoned. It's kind of a escalating retribution that is going on here that you're aware of. And people go to the pastor for prayers for the sick, particularly their children, but they also go to the witch doctor just, just in case, or if the prayer, uh, prayers of the pastor don't seem to be working. But one day, one day you're invited to do this training, some kind of business development training you've heard about and some of the people from your village are also going and so well so you went and you're here and you're going to be here for the next five days and there's a couple of Americans here that are bringing the training but they're also doing this training alongside local people who have been through the training already as well welcome to ELD, Entrepreneurial Leadership Development. My name's Mark Milbrecht. I know that's a mouthful. Entrepreneurial Leadership Development, but we'll call it ELD for, for our sake here. You know, for the next five days, you guys, I'm so excited to be with you. And we are gonna take a journey together. You're gonna be working with uh, groups of five or six people at your table, and you're gonna be dreaming about what your community needs and how you can be a solution to some of those needs through goods and services that you can provide. 
and even how you can uh, help with some of the suffering that you've seen all around you and what you've experienced yourself. Because at the end of the week, you're going to have a business plan. And part of that business plan is going to be a budget. And there's going to be profit that you're going to be able to receive. And from that profit, you're going to be able to tithe to the church, which you've never been able to do. And you're also going to have money that you can use to to help end the suffering in your community. So you're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing to others. You're going to learn so much about how God has, has created you and what he's created you to be. You're also going to, we're going to go through some biblical principles uh, for business. Paul and Jesus were both bivocational. If you recall the scriptures, Paul's a tent maker and Jesus was a carpenter. And this week, you'll also be asked to do homework. We'll have interactive exercises like the trust fall, which you'll do with your team. And you'll be able to, to build a spaghetti tower in a competition that's going to be super fun with the other teams as well. So we're going to have a lot of fun here. And then we're going to learn a lot about God and about what he has in mind for you, for your family, and for your community so every day you'll work on your business plan and, and at the end of our time, I wish I could take you to Friday, you guys, because it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna be able to take this whole business plan, which we'll get into. I'm just gonna show you a couple slides here. But you're gonna be able to take that business plan you've been working on all week. You're gonna be able to put that on the wall and you're gonna take us through. Your team is gonna take us through it like Shark Tank. That they, I think they have that in America, if you've ever heard or seen that show, Shark Tank. And in Kenya, they call it the lion's den. <laughs> Very appropriate. Okay, so here's our schedule for the week. Monday is self-discovery. Um, discover your design. We're going to start with creation, where it all started, right? We're going to talk about the brokenness of this world and how God has, has created us. Um, Tuesday is thinking like an entrepreneur. Wednesday is starting and sustaining a, a business. Thursday is going to be character and ethics. Why is that important? Because there's so much um, dishonesty, so much, um, so much in our society that, that needs strength of character. And your business is no different. Your customers need to be able to trust you. So do your coworkers. And then Friday, like I said, my favorite day, we're gonna all, all every group is gonna present and then you'll have an opportunity to figure out what's your give back to your community will be as well with your profits. Um, so starting Wednesday, you're gonna have that business plan, um, which is here. You're gonna, every single day, we're gonna be filling out uh, a portion of this so that you'll have that complete, including your budget, which is the biggest piece um, by the end of Friday. Um, these are some of the community dreams that people in other trainings have come up with. The dreams that they've had um, are enhanced resources for positive individuals, family, community growth, building of health facilities to the community, empowering women, educating them about the goodness of doing their small businesses, um, provision of water for irrigation, helping the needy, medical skills. These are just a few of the many, many dreams that people come up with for their community. And then, of course, barriers to dreams, right? We all have things that come against those things that we're dreaming about. Lack of capital is one I hear about all the time. Lack of skills. Not believing in yourself or your dreams. That's a big one. Lack of self-esteem. Not having sufficient resources. Lack of capital for startup. 
um, etc. If you noticed on that business plan, it, I was there briefly, right? But the second box is the why. Why are you going to do what you're going to do? Why get up in the morning? Well, you know what? For these women, this is their why. It's their children. That's why they came to this training. Because they want their children to have a better life than they have. They want their children to be able to grow up with, with just good nutrition and, and maybe an education so that they can have a different and a better life. This is an example of your team. You guys are going to sit together. You're going to have fun together. Like I said, you're going to work on your business plan all week. This is Francis. He's one of the people who took our training before. That's John behind him in the, in the dark blue shirt. So you're going to have local people who have been through this training who are going to be mentoring you all week and answering your questions and helping you. <clears throat> this is an example of the budget that I told you we're all going to be working on um, so that when you get to Friday, your numbers match because the sharks are going to be looking at those. <laughs> and then this is just an example of a presentation. This is um, folks that had an egg laying business and they actually brought some props there to show us as well. So, so that's basically it for the whole week, <clears throat> what we're going to be doing there. Um, but for today... For the sake of today, we're going to be going through basically three biblical principles that we'll be um, looking at all week together and passages that support that and stories of people like you that have gone before you and have taken this training to see how God has provided in so many different circumstances. So the first point, if you have your, um, your notes there or if you take notes here, the first point um, or the first principle is we are called to trust God with the impossible. We are called to trust God with the impossible. And I don't care where you live on this planet. That's true. We need to be willing to trust God for the impossible. There are so many scriptures that support this. Um, but I'm just going to look at one today with you. This is from Mark chapter 6. Verses 32 through 44. I don't have all the scripture for this, but I'm going to kind of fill in the, the blanks around the story. And then we're going to look at this particular piece of the passage. This is the one miracle, actually, that's found in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And if you remember, Jesus was teaching, which he often did, about the kingdom of God. And then decided to take a break, take the disciples away, you know, just to get a little R&R. &R. And of course, they went in a boat. And as they approached the other shore, guess what happened? All those people that saw them on, on the water just went around to the shore and waited for them. My friends, they got no break that day. And Jesus, being who he is, took up where he left off, right? Just continued to preach. And so he preached long into the afternoon. And it says, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. And then they tell him, which of course, he's the rabbi. He's the one that has the solutions, right? Jesus, do something here. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But his response, my friends, is incredibly profound, I believe. Because he's, he answered them. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? The NI, this is the ESV, most of you have. NIV says that would cost over six months of a person's wage. 
Jesus, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry, that's not what it says there, but you can imagine, right? They don't have that kind of money. You give them something to eat? Really? How are we going to do that? But he says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. So he says, what do you have? Bring it to me. And then most of us know the rest of the story. He took what was given to them. He did the next thing that that we all need to do. And he thanked God for his provision. And then he performed a miracle. And he fed 5,000 people that day. And had 12 baskets left over. Here's a simple question that I ask you here in Uganda. And I've asked uh, everywhere I've gone. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Oftentimes in a context like that, like this, I'll hear, oh, we don't have any money. (laughs) That's not what I asked. I said, what do you have? And eventually the the hands will raise. Someone says, well, I I know a lot of people in my village. Do they trust you? (laughs) I think so. Good, (laughs) right? That's relational equity, okay? I've got some land. What are you doing with it? Uh, Nothing. Awesome. I've got some goats. They just roam around in the road because I don't have any land. I I have no way to fence them in, etc. Good. I've got skilled labor. You know, I can can do things. Um, I don't have much, but I have good ideas. Really? Bring those, right? I have courage. How many of you have courage? How many of you have a willingness to take what you've learned here this week and carry it forward in some amazing ways that only God knows at this point? Bring that, right? Bring it to the table. Bring all of that to the table and let's ask Jesus what he wants to do with it. Let's ask him to perform yet another miracle to see those dreams, those dreams that we have for ourselves, for our families, for our community come to fruition. Wouldn't that be amazing if that happened? I'm going to share you a story where I saw that happen exactly. This is Pastor Solomon. He's got the little red dot on his certificate. I wish I had one of those to show you, you guys, but that's a certificate of participation. Every single one of you will get that at the end of the week if you're here all five days, right? It's 40 hours of participation together. For some of you, you've never received a you know, you've never been to a graduation. You, you've never, you know, in some ways gone to school, etc. But this is special and you get to take that home and it has your name on it. And we're going we're gonna to do a ceremony just for you guys. But this is in 2018, four years ago. That's Pastor Solomon right there. This is him just last month in November. Um, he was there with uh, so many other people from his community and he was mentoring some of the people at the training, and we got to see the, the work that he's doing now. It was incredible. Because what he did is he went home from our training in 2018, and he felt like God was asking him the very question that I just asked you from Mark chapter 6. What do you have in your hand? And he looked around at his village, and the Lord led him to a termite mound. Well, what in the world can you do with a termite mound? You know what you can do with it? You can make bricks. My friends, 
Pastor Solomon started a brick layers association. Okay? He started making bricks. And because he's a pastor, he started to reach out to people in his community who needed some job skills, who, who needed to be part of this cooperative. He reached out to people uh, with addictions like alcohol and, and, and drugs. And they became a cooperative together. And because he's a pastor, he cared about their heart. And he led many of them to Jesus. And he's been discipling them the last couple of years. But this is what they're doing together for the sake of the community. My friends, this is one of two schools that they built out of their bricks. They've made 90,000 bricks since they started. Two schools for the kids. This is one of two churches that they built, and they donated every single one of those bricks. They didn't charge the churches for them. They donated those bricks. They helped to build the churches. And I had the opportunity to go into that church building at night and sat down, and I heard testimonies from all the different people. Not all. There was probably seven people there. But from those seven people, I heard their testimonies of how they'd come to know the Lord, how one of them was the the director of the children's ministry, how another one was, was a director of finance at the church. Another one was a loan officer for this cooperative. Oh, because what they've done is they've take, taken $10,000 of their profits and they've loaned that out to the community so that other people can, can find their dreams as well and support the community with what they now have. This is what Pastor Solomon did with a simple question. What do you have in your hand? God is using business development to bring people not only out of physical poverty, but out of spiritual and emotional brokenness as well. And I got to see it with my own eyes, and it was beautiful. Point number two, or principle number two, is we are called to look beyond our circumstances. Trust God with the impossible, and called to look beyond our circumstances. And again, the scriptures are replete with examples, but I'm just going to give you one today. <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, the whole context is verses 1 through 7. The prophet Jeremiah is actually back in Jerusalem, and he writes a letter to the people that have been carried off by the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. So these people are in exile. They're living in Babylon uh, with foreign food, um, that they're not accustomed to, language they're not accustomed to, culture they're not accustomed to, and all they want to do is go home, right? How do I know that? Because that's what I'd want to do, right? And that's what you'd want to do. If you were carried off against your will from where you grew up, the holy city of Jerusalem, you'd want to get back there, right? Well, I'm sure these people wanted to do that as well. So they get a letter from the prophet Jeremiah, and they're like, woohoo! We're out of here! Finally! But that's not what the letter says. It says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Wait a minute. I thought it was King Nebuchadnezzar that carried them. God carried them too. You mean God was with them? Yes, he was. Why? Because God is in all of our circumstances. The good, the bad, and the ugly. God is with you. We need to know that. We need to believe that. 
But this is what he said, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. My friends, some of us in this room even, we don't like where we live. There's all kinds of issues, right? But I think there's a principle here that I don't want us to miss. Sometimes God is calling us to be right where he planted us, right where he carried us to, right? So that we can pray for the peace and prosperity of your village for the city of which I carried you, he says here. Pray for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Imagine that. Praying for your community to prosper so that you prosper as well. I come from the northwest uh, of the United States of America. Um, we have something called the Puget Sound. It's a large body of water and it has tides, right? So there's a saying that when the tide comes in, all the ships will rise in the harbor, right? It's that same principle. If your city or your village prospers, you too will prosper. It's part of how it works. But here's a question for you. What is human flourishing? And again, in America, we have this saying like to keep up with the Joneses. It's not what I'm talking about here. What is, what is basic human flourishing? And I've got to tell you, one of my favorite stories here is this guy right here. This is John Ariacote. This is where he grew up in a village very similar to yours, not too far from yours. See, we met John and Elizabeth, who I'll introduce to you in just a second, in 2018 at our training. Same place we met Pastor Solomon, right? John and Elizabeth met in a Bible college in Kenya and they got married. They now run a Bible school and a ministry called As Iron Sharpens Iron. John's from this bush village. She's from Texas. Okay? They live in Uganda. John was one of nine children, and his dad did not know all their names. Do you hear me? His first pair of shoes he got when he was 19 years old. He actually took his alcoholic father to court and tried to force him to pay his school fees um, but his dad threatened to shoot him. So they didn't have the best relationship as John was growing up. But at the end of the week of training, they took us to their home for dinner. So we'd been together all week. They decided they wanted to come and celebrate with us. When we arrived, they had three pigs at their home. Those three pigs had broken out and had eaten all their turkeys. Well, that might be nice for Thanksgiving, but he was trying to raise these, right, so that they could be some kind of an income for his family. And I interviewed them afterwards about their whole week. And his wife Elizabeth said this. She said, up until now, every business John has tried to start fails. And the village he comes from believes are cursed, and they can't do anything successful. And I was listening to this, and I'm like, oh, how's he going to respond to that? Because he's right next to us. And he agreed to everything she said. But now, but now, four years later, this is John and Elizabeth, Gabriella, 
and Micah, their son. This is their piggery. They have way more than three pigs now. As you can see, in fact, this is the latest group of pigs that he sent away to market, right? Every little piggy goes to market. These are no exception. Um, and he made $2,000 in this transaction. That's a lot of money for Uganda. Let me just tell you right now, especially for a, a local village person. But his eyes are not set on just bacon, making bacon. He, um, he, he, he's uh, doing fish, uh, fish cages now. So he's just learning how to do tilapia raising. Again, for the protein, this is, this is bordering his village where he grew up. He's cleared that water with help from the villagers. Um, it was a swamp before, so they've, they've cleared it out. Um, this is kind of his test pilot, if you will. Um, he's got about 4,000 little tilapia in there. I actually took a dugout canoe, almost died, um, but went out there to look at him. Okay, so that's what he's doing um, right now to help his whole village. And he says, by this time next year, Mark, if you come back, we're going to have fish cages everywhere for my village. And with the proceeds from the pigs, he built his parents a house. Remember the 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 grass hut that was, it's right to the left. You can see a little bit of another one um, on the left. That, that grass hut that I took a picture with John was on the right. This is the home that he's built for his parents. And by the way, he's reconciled with his father now, right? Um, and you might think that's a mansion and it, it kind of is over there, but it was the equivalent of about 10,000 USD uh, for him to, to build that for his parents. I thought that was the most amazing thing. He's also paying it forward. He's, he's bringing pregnant pigs. He's giving those to villagers, helping them train them in, in how to raise these pigs. And all he's asking in return is for one or two baby pigs when this pig has babies, right? And they have anywhere from five to 15 babies, I think. Um, it's incredible. So he's just asking for one or two back and for them to pay it forward. And so they've been paying forward um, pigs and helping people um, and children have protein, etc., and have an income. And he's also trained uh, over 150 people just like you at five different villages um, since we left there in 2018. John's church has mobilized 3,000 proclaimers, they call them, who go every week into the villages and they read the Bible with 20 to 30 people. Very simple. But they do this together about 30,000 people per week are reading the Bible together. And this past year, 2022, over 3,000 people came to know Jesus for the first time. And they are now training 300 more proclaimers to go out from there. So it's the big picture I want us to see, right? How God is moving in so many different ways. Another example is the think tank, that's what they call themselves. I met 12 guys, again, at that training in 2018. They were from a remote village, Achoa, and they came with lots of ideas. That's why they call themselves the think tank, but they couldn't decide on any of them, and they weren't working together until the end of the week, because at the end of the week, there was two groups of six. They had a business plan. They had um, goals and dreams, and they went forward unified now. So we went to visit them. They lived at the end of a long road, at the end, basically the end of nowhere, right? Achoa. 
but the government had built a road out to them. It was the smoothest dirt road that I'd seen in Uganda up until this point. And when we drove in, that's what we saw. See that building on the right? That's a storehouse. For what? For all the grain, all the farmers. See, what they've done is they've created uh, an agricultural cooperative. There's 180 members, and those 180 members are mentoring and discipling 700 farmers. I can't even wrap my mind around that, around that, but that's serving an area of about 40 different villages and 60,000 people. And as we drove into this place where this little building is, they were lined up and they were singing. And I said, John, what are they singing? He said, there is no, there is no more suffering in Echoa. There is no more suffering in Echoa. That's one of the mills that they have to, to grind cassava and peanuts and all these other things into flour. And then the government comes and, and buys that from them. And so everybody benefits. And this is the storehouse. And they, uh, 25 members here, the, they're the leaders. And, and they shared their testimonies with us one after another. And, they, and one of the guys there showed me a bag of seed that they had of soybeans. And he said, this time... Um, about six months from now, this is the beginning of harvest, but this whole building will be full. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is absolutely amazing. There is no more suffering in Achoa. And this is uh, the same cooperative, some of those leaders who came to our training and will come to this training. And they're also gonna share the story that I just shared with you. And they're gonna be mentoring uh, you guys in your groups as well throughout the week. So third, third and final point, we are called to be participants in God's kingdom purposes. We are called to be participants in God's kingdom purposes. One of my favorite passages is Isaiah 61, one through four. This is what Jesus quotes in Luke chapter four uh, when he leaves the desert. This is when he opens the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue. This is what he reads exactly from the book of Isaiah and this particular passage. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Come on. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on, sorry, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient cities, excuse me, the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. My friends, who? Who is he talking about? Who are the they? Who are the oaks of righteousness? The planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Who's going to rebuild and restore and renew? The poor. The brokenhearted. 
the captives, the prisoners. My friends, I come here and I will continue to come here because I believe that you, you have the solutions for some of these issues, some of these problems. You, you will restore, you will rebuild, you will renew through the glory of God. You will be a witness for the glory of God in your communities. Why do I say that? Because I've seen it. I've seen it so many times and we'll continue to see it because God is gonna use people just like you and someday I'll be sharing the same stories, right? Because of what God is doing and what he will do uh, with you. So um, as I begin to wrap things up here, what is, sorry, what is good news to the poor? Well, obviously it's, it's the gospel, right? It's spiritual healing, but it's also physical healing. It's emotional healing. It's, it's where God's tangibly intervening on their behalf. That's good news, right? Gertrude, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Gertrude uh, was one of the people that took our training recently. She came in, she was very poor. She, she had lost her dad at age five. Her mom was a tailor. Her mom was able to pay her school fees and slowly she was able to, to go through school even up to a college level. She got married and had two children and was pregnant with her third child, but her husband beat her mercilessly and ended up killing uh, her daughter before she was born. She finally left her abusive husband, went back to live with her mom with her two kids. And the end of day one, day one, which we're in right now of our training, she learned about her past and how her past can actually keep her in chains and prevent her from moving forward in her life and in her business, and how she treats and responds uh, to other people. She shared with us her story, and she told us that night after she had gone home, she forgave her husband. My friend, she hadn't seen her husband in years, but she forgave her husband, and God opened the door to so many things, and this smile on her face was contagious. She said, I had so many dreams and so many things that I wanted to do, so many projects that I wanted to do and accomplish, but I gave them all up because I was in so much pain and turmoil from what had happened to me. And God released her from, from all of that that night. She was just gonna coast. Her kids were gonna take care of her and she was okay with that. But she said, not now. I wanna have a small business. I wanna be a, a light in my community. I wanna accomplish uh, some of the dreams that I've put away for so long. And that was her face the next morning. And I wanted you guys to see that. This is Martin. He's in the gray shirt on the right-hand side, kind of the tank top there. Um, he was 15 years old when he met John. Remember our friend John, John and Elizabeth? He was very sick and undernourished. His parents brought him to many witch doctors until they'd exhausted their finances. They'd even sold their land, everything they had, and he was still sick. In 2018, John and Elizabeth took him in, gave him a proper diet. They taught him how to read and write, and from 2020, they brought him through the Bible school training. They gave him one pregnant pig. Remember that little, little thing they did? He's now given away 17 pregnant pigs to people in his community, and he's turned pigs into cows. He's now raising cows. He didn't turn, you know. <laughs> right, witchcraft. Anyways, 
and he's pastoring his village church. All right, stay with me. Last story. This is James. James and Grace. They're John and Elizabeth's neighbors. This is our certificate of participation, you guys. They went through our training. This is, this is their house right next door to John and Elizabeth's. And you can't really see it, but on the left is the home that he's building for his wife because she wants a brick house. And those are his kids in the background. And this is James. And that's the uh, Sunday school in the back, the, the grass hut on the right-hand side. So he and Elizabeth run the Sunday school. They have over 100 kids every week that they teach the Bible to, and they feed a, a proper meal. Um, he's now discipling other pastors. But what I forgot to tell you guys was his story. He, he was a, the town alcoholic or town drunk, they used to say, right? His wife and his, his kids were ready to leave him. He was going blind, and he had so much pain in his eyes that it was just consuming him, right? And he was trying to kill that pain, obviously. And then John led him to Jesus. My friends, the, the pain, the pain in it. Jeez, I can't even say this. The pain in his eyes went away that night. The night he accepted Jesus, the pain went away. It's never been back. He's just regaining a vision in his, in his left eye, um, but his right eye is, is perfect. And, um, and this is James. And he said, God, if you can take this pain away, I will serve you with the rest of my life. And that's what he's doing as a pastor in his district. He has a goat business. He has three cows. He has many turkeys, but he needs a fence because the turkeys are roaming all over the road. We almost hit about six of them. Um, but that's James, my friends. There's an African proverb, an empty stomach has no ears. Maybe Jesus knew that when he fed the 5,000. This is... Um, one of the final passages, Luke 7, 20 through 22. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, leopards are cleansed. And the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. And Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, and we saw this with Jesus in word or deed, most often both, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm gonna tell you one more story. This was actually where we went before Uganda. It's Kenya, this is the Maasai. Um, we, we worked with them, we did the same training that we just did with, with you guys, and or we're, we're doing with you guys. And um, this is at the end of the week, this is a woman receiving her certificate. What's so special about this is she'd never, she'd never been to school. She'd never gotten a certificate of anything. 
She was so proud. And the chief of the region gave that to her. That's him in the yellow sweat in the yellow sweater. He came the last day, which I really was so grateful for because he got to see all the presentations, right? Every group he got to see. And after we were all done um, giving these presentations, he turned to Robin and I. We were sitting on this side and he was up there giving a, a whole message to his people, telling them, you know, to persevere and to keep going and what, what a wonderful thing that they were doing. And he turned to us and he said, I know who you guys are. I've met, and he started naming off the people that had small businesses because we'd been there t- uh, three years prior, just before COVID. Um, and he named off their businesses and he said what they were doing. He knew who we were and what we'd done there. It was a little bit scary, actually. Like, oh boy, I hope that's a good thing. And you know what? It was a good thing because he said the first white men came here and they built buildings. You have come here and transformed our minds. And I thought, wow. That's a good thing, I guess, right? (laughs) Because in your mind, things can grow. Education, right? You continue to learn. Our whole lives, we're continuing to learn. It doesn't go away. It's not consumed like money or, or fall apart like a building or a fence for that matter, right? God uses it, our hearts and our minds for his glory. Amen. Let's close our eyes again. Open them. Welcome back, North Shore. <laughs> I want to end with this one story. And it was a story that was told to me. I was sitting uh, about four rows back right here about 12 years ago. And this uh, pastor from South Africa was, was actually preaching that day, Pastor Titus. And he, and he asked a question at the very beginning of his message. And he, he asked this question. What is the richest place on the planet? What is the richest place on the planet? And like you guys, kind of contemplating that, I'm like, well, maybe it's Saudi Arabia, right? Because of all the, all the oil there, right? Or maybe it's Alaska, right? With its incredible beauty, if you've been there. But his, his answer surprised me. He said, the graveyard. What? Yeah, the richest place on the planet is the graveyard. Why? Because so many people's dreams, so many people's ideas, so many people's books never written, songs never sung, cures never developed, experiments that that could have helped humanity in so many ways, never done, right? Who knows why that is? I think fear has a lot to do with it, right? But they were buried in the ground with that person. So many things the world could have benefited from were buried into the ground. And my friend, my charge to you today as we just begin 2022 is to say no to that. Whatever it is, whatever you're afraid of doing, whatever you haven't pursued, what book you were going to write or what song you were going to sing or whatever it is, here we go. Henry David Thoreau, most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with a song still in them. My friends, what is your song? Please, please sing it. The world needs it. I don't care who you are or where you live on this planet. God has created you for a purpose. God has created you to do something special. 
to glorify him in some way, shape, or form, right? And you, are, you and I are the ones that have been planted here as oaks of righteousness, right? For a display of his splendor. Can we do that together? Can we do that together as North Shore Christian Church for this community, for, for our families, for the sake of the gospel, for such a time as this? And finally this. What's your next step? Two things to consider. How have you been blessed to be a blessing to others? Whatever that looks like. What is it that God has blessed you with to be a blessing to others? And then where are you stuck going into 2023? Because a lot of us are stuck, right, in different things, different ways. Could we begin to believe that God has something special for us this year?